2: Hey,
1: it's Cavino and Rich. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like
2: the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, and suspension. Just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive. Go to TireRack.com sports. That's
1: TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be.
3: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
4: Anthony Davis, monster game, 34 points, 11 rebounds. LeBron, another Service, uh, workman-like game, 23 points, nine assists, six rebounds. He's filling up the stat sheet. Chris Paul, seven points, only 27 minutes played. Devin Booker, 19, but only six of 19 shooting. Booker seemed to wilt under the pressure. There was a little confrontation or a little instigation at the end of the game. How would you describe what happened at the end?
5: He just, he, they melted down. It wasn't just him. It was Jay Crowder who uh, was going head-to-head with LeBron. LeBron gave him a spin move and started you know, taking control of the game, and, and he just mentally wilted under the pressure. Uh, Booker wilted under the pressure. Um, they sent Jay Crowder just back to the locker room. Booker got ejected. It's just they look like – They ran into something they had no answers for, and they just fell apart emotionally. Just completely fell apart.
4: And I would say this. It was a perfect storm for that to happen to the Suns. So you take, what's the difference between this year and last year? Last year, the Suns team did not even make the playoffs. This year, second seed in the Superior West. Chris Paul, obviously, was a part of it. And some maturation on the part of other players. Makes sense. So you have your first playoff road game in your career, I think, other than Chris Paul or any of the key players on the Suns. And you're playing the defending champion Lakers. You're playing the player of the century, LeBron. Not even debatable. This was a tough spot. And you're Chris Paul. You're the daddy is hurt. And he's not there to do what he's done the whole year as one of the key difference makers. Chris Paul was in top five in MVP voting from many voters I've heard. We'll see how the final results are. I think that the Lakers are in a commanding spot to win the series. If you look at the series price, 87% chance right now is the way that it breaks down to that the Lakers advance. So you gotta bet eight hundred and thirty five dollars to win one hundred. And on the Suns you get five to one back. This was near well, remember after game one, the Suns were the favorite in this series. So two games, big drastic transition. I don't know how the Suns can do it without Chris Paul on Sunday playing well, but I also think if I knew for sure he was hundred percent, which we won't I wouldn't be too discouraged by this game. And I guess that's the ultimate point and the ultimate question. Jonas, in your mind, would you be particularly discouraged by this game? Because, yes, you're talking about the breakdown and the, the different critical ways we've explained it, but it felt kind of excusable if Chris Paul was back, if they have that second game, or they will have the second game. It feels like it could be a lot better. With the uncertainty of Chris Paul, I don't know, But I'm not going to indict, I'm not going to completely dismiss the Suns because of one breakdown, because I think it was excusable. What do you think?
5: Yeah, no, I'm not going to dismiss them entirely altogether either. I think, you know, they probably learned from it. The Chris Paul issue I think is the main issue, and I think part of the reason why they were able to still win game one, because he suffered the injury in game one, and then they went on to, to go on and win that game, and I think part of that was, you know, they had their adrenaline, they were in the midst of the game. Now that the Lakers have had a chance to actually get a full version of a game against Phoenix with Chris Paul clearly nowhere close to 100%. The Lakers have made adjustments. They played really good defense. You know, and guys like Devin Booker haven't stepped up for Phoenix. And LeBron took over the game last night. So I'm not writing him off completely, but I think it's all dependent this entire series on Chris Paul's health.
4: That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. So when you say LeBron took over the game, if looking at the stat sheet, it doesn't strike me as taking over a game. What was it about his performance that... Uh, leads you to say it that way?
5: So late in the game, he was uh, going up against Jay Crowder, and he clearly wanted the ball. He wanted the ball in an isolation, which I don't recall a lot of times where he's saying, give me the ball in the post. I got this guy. Jay Crowder's a tough defender, a guy who get after you a little bit, and he just took advantage of him down in the low post a couple of different times. Jay Crowder got heated up about it, was getting in his face, trying to get extra physical. LeBron was egging on the crowd. He was egging on the bench. I think he took over the game emotionally he recognized mm. that the Suns were starting to fall apart and he just decided give me the ball I can go ahead and step on a throat here and he went and did it and, and credit to him the Lakers never looked back and Phoenix fell apart
4: and physically did LeBron seem 100% to you
5: I still don't think he's 100%. I, th- I think even Charles Barkley made the comment at halftime. Uh, Jim Jackson, I think, was on the call, and he said, look, he's not 100% to where he's not what we've seen from LeBron, but he's good enough, especially in this series, to be able to get to the basket if need be and be able to score at will.
1: Straight out of-
2: Go to TireRack.com slash sports to see their Goodyear test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could
1: you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should
4: be. Let's look at the Lakers compared to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm going to make the following statement. A lot of people aren't going to like this. I think the Lakers have not had a difficult series since last year, including last year. The championship year, they beat 4-1 the Blazers. A Blazers team that was, had to you know, play the, uh, whatever the 8-9 was last year and were quite fatigued because they had to win a bunch of games in the last eight in the bubble. Houston Rockets that were falling apart, as we saw the Denver Nuggets, who were probably a year away and had just come off a monster series, uh, you know, especially that Utah series was, oh my gosh. And then the Heat, and we're seeing what the Heat are right now, and the Heat were banged up like crazy. Literally, the Blazers, a lot of injuries in that first round, Heat were banged up like crazy, and now they're playing a Suns team where their heart and soul gets ripped out because their best player, or at least their most important player, Chris Paul, gets injured. Now, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and you say, okay, they looked really good. They won in game one against Miami when they shot horribly. Miami shot great from three especially. They crush them in game two. Then you have a must-win spot for the Heat, a must-win, and Milwaukee just kills them, just boom, up by 17 like in the first quarter. What's the difference? The difference is that Giannis, the year before the bubble, lost a game in the Eastern Finals against the eventual champion Toronto. They were up 2-0. And they laid an egg in the bubble last year, except Giannis was hurt, so who knows? I'm not saying there's nothing to worry about with the Bucs. I'm not saying that you can just dismiss the fact that even now, Giannis doesn't seem to be super comfortable And LeBron, though his history in the finals isn't great, getting teams to the finals, he's amazing. So is that a sign that he chokes when the real pressure's on? Or is that a sign that there was just some bad luck in the finals? I don't know. But what I know is that if you look at what the Lakers have done from a distance, you would say champion last year, rolling in the first round this year. I don't think it's that simple. I don't. Remember, the Lakers were one of three teams entering the final or the playoffs last year that had about the same odds, Milwaukee, Lakers, Clippers. In the interim, Lakers won it, and now we see where the Clippers are, and we'll talk about that about 6.50 when we preview that game, Eastern. But I truly believe that you can often have two people or two teams. There'll be a break here, a bad break there. Two or three breaks over a decade, and one person, almost trading places style, one person's in one place, and one person is way lower. One team is in one place, one team is way lower. Other than the mystique of LeBron, I'm not so sure, if you look at the Lakers, that you could say tangibly they are so much better than a team like a Milwaukee. Obviously, a team like the Nets is a different whole conversation, I think the Nets might be the best team no matter what. But I'm saying a team like Milwaukee that even isn't near as beloved by the general fan, I think they're being slept on a little bit. And I think the Lakers are getting the sunshine a little too much. And if you tell me from here on, you can have Milwaukee to win it or the Lakers, but oh, by the way, if you take Milwaukee, you get paid double if you win. I'm taking Milwaukee, and I'm not sure I'm not taking Milwaukee if the payoff was just a little bit more. Lakers, probably, if it's the same payoff, because they're the Lakers with LeBron. And there is that secret sauce that you can't quite quantify, but, man, oh, man, it is not much of a difference. Jonas, what do you think?
5: Yeah, I mean, if it's if we're paying double, I'll take Milwaukee. If it's just slightly more, I'm I'm probably going to go with the Lakers just because I do think Milwaukee's got a tougher road. Um, yeah, that's true, it, too. It, it, it seems like you got to deal with Brooklyn, uh, the way that they're playing, the way they're controlling that series, uh, which would be a, a fascinating series to watch. But I think Milwaukee's been the most impressive team in the postseason so far, and it's not even close, especially considering Miami is this team that's built on grit and determination. Any of any team that you could think would come back and bounce back in a game three at home after losing the first two, Miami seems like they would be the team. And then you glance up at the scoreboard and and they're down twenty five at home. And, and I don't the know. Heart, the last, it's
4: like the heart got taken it's, out. It's of
5: it. it's crazy. I've never seen. I haven't seen. We never saw this at all for Miami last year. Even when they had injuries in the in the finals against the Lakers, they still tried to keep competitive and stay competitive in those games. They weren't competitive at all last night.
4: You make a great point to close is it's very reasonable the Lakers would get to the finals by winning this series and then by beating Denver in the next series without Murray obviously and then let's say if if the seeds hold by beating Utah. So quite frankly Phoenix without Chris Paul, Denver without Murray and Utah to get to the finals That would be seven straight series in which in Utah you could say, well, that's a tough team. Yeah, in the playoffs, how playoff ready are they? We'll see. But, man, now you compare that to Milwaukee, you know, easy first round, let's call it, though playing the Heat that beat them last year wasn't necessarily easy. But then to play the Nets, then to play the Sixers, then to play the Lakers, that is a gauntlet. (laughs) And I got to tell you something, if he can do it, Guy nice anti Umpo It would be a, 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 an exclamation point on him getting his first title
1: out of Vegas!
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 pm Eastern, 3 p.m Pacific.
2: Go to TireRack.com/sports to see their Vredestein test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers.
1: Great tires and a great deal—what more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com/sports. TireRack.com—the
3: way tire buying should be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates.
5: Stephen A. Smith of ESPN, a guy that you know very well, had some interesting comments about sports betting, uh, and uh, you took an issue with. Now, I have not heard these comments, so I'm I'm curious to see what exactly he said.
4: Well, first off, I should say, and you know, as I've said a couple times, is you know, for three years I did a weekly hit with Stephen A. on his national show before you know I was with Fox. Just a class act, and and uh, at a personal level, and you can you know agree with his bombastic nature or not, but I'm speaking from personal experience. Stand up, and uh, there was one case in particular where he really stood up for me, and you know we weren't that close. You know uh, we you know over time we grew you know to be closer, but at the time it was a strong thing. So I really like Stephen A. personally. That said, there are no sacred cow herds or sacred cows anywhere. And what Stephen A. said, and I give him credit, he doesn't talk about, in my opinion, sports betting as an authority, because you know, he's not. But what he said was, maybe, perhaps, it seems likely that the intensity that comes from a better is the kind of intensity that leads to lashing out, like throwing popcorn or spitting. And to me, I'm not sure that's true. But let's not even think for a second if it's true or not and say the following. Any intensity connection, Karen, is going to lead to perhaps angst and emotion if the performance is bad. So think about this. Hey, we're thinking of having a meet-the-greet team for uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, But we're worried that if these fans get close to Tom Brady, they're going to like him so much. That if somehow Tampa Bay loses, they're going to get so mad they might throw popcorn. It's like where does it stop, right? Is let's not show every game on TV because they're going to care too much, and if we lose, they're going to get mad. So to me, yes, gambling does increase a person's interest in the game he's watching. But if that's a problem, maybe they should put up like some uh, screens so you can't, like a master square garden, you can't see the game too much. Because if you can really see it clearly, you might get too emotionally involved. So I'm not even going to dispute it, though. To me, I think gamblers tend to think about teams and not players. I never get. I mean, Jonas, you're a batter. I mean, recreationally, when you lose and you and you have an emotional reaction, is it typically you're mad at the team or you're mad at the players?
5: And no, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm mad at the result. I, I don't look. You're at, mad at yourself some yeah, most of the time. I'm Mad at myself, but I also think, and, and this is why I don't think his argument holds water. I would venture to guess majority of real sports betters prefer watching games at home. They're, not, they're they're not they're not going to games like they' yeah, I think that's go, true
4: and and, and what Steve oh I'm sorry go ahead.
5: Well, no I'm just saying and and the idea that you know we need to be this cautious about everything they've been cautious, you remember when they used to have glass bottles at games they don't have that anymore they have metal detectors at every arena you walk into, like they've safe safened up stadiums and arenas as much as they possibly can. This is just on a couple of fans who got drunk,
4: and stephen a's comment was. Uh, In addition, the idea that at certain venues, you can bet with a mobile app right there. And to me, he's right. That's something that these these teams are thinking. Hey, most people want to sit at home. If you can sit here and be betting in game in a way that is different and better than you could at home, maybe it is going to entice people to come and gamble more. But those betters, 99 out of 100 times, are betting pizza money. Small, small bets.
5: (laughs) Yeah, put a limit on it. Like, like, put a fifty dollar limit on it, so you don't have to worry about somebody thinking they just, you know, cost their kids lunch for next week, the entire next week because they lost a game. I mean, so
4: to me, what in a way Stephen A. is making the argument why sports betting is so big and why it's so powerful. It does increase your emotional connection. It does make you care about the game. And you know what? When you care, sometimes you're going to be disappointed. But if we try to prevent that, that means we got to change everything about sports and try to get people to care less. And you know what? Then you're going to have, like, lawn darts, and no one's going to care. No one's (laughs) going to be throwing popcorn. And I'm not saying we accept it. I'm saying the way to address it isn't to get people to care less, and gambling shouldn't be demonized because of that. And, again, it was one piece of a bigger argument, but that's a big platform Stephen A. has, and I think that the gambling side needs its moment to